1: Hey, everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk, and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today, I have with me John Murphy. John is the author of 10 Key Traits of Top Business Leaders, which is based on his experience of coaching top executives in Fortune 100 companies and other experiences he's had in his career. Thank you for joining me today.
0: Roman, it's great. Thank you for inviting me. And it's a real pleasure to be here and share my story with your guests.
1: Thanks for coming on. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today and kind of writing the book?
0: Okay, well, I'll give you the short version rather than the long version. I started uh, I started my career, uh, my corporate career, pr- prior to running my own business and my own coaching business, I, I was in the corporate world. I started as a door-to-door insurance salesman. Um, then I became a sales manager. Then I became a sales director. Then I became marketing director and eventually through an Alberta companies, I became a CEO of a pan European insurance group. So, and I discovered, actually, I discovered, Roman, that I, I enjoyed the journey to become CEO rather than uh, more than I actually enjoyed being the CEO. Now, it did take me a couple of years to, to discover that. So I, I think I was about seven years in total as a CEO. But about four years in, I had kind of a major event in my own life, and that um, my first wife died very suddenly at the age of 39 and um which you know is the sort of thing that happens to other people and not to you and i with three daughters I still three daughters at the time they were 15 13 and 10 years of age so that was a real i mean if that doesn't get your attention and and call you up short nothing nothing will and of course you 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 know in the corporate world sir Well, i'll only speak for myself i mean i'm not knocking corporate work because i wouldn't it was good to me and i hope i was good to it but you know, you, you tell the story that, well, I'm doing this and I'm traveling and I'm here and I'm at meetings and I'm entertaining and I'm doing this, that and the other because I'm trying to build something for the family, which let's be honest, there's a certain amount of that is true, but there's also quite a big chunk of it that you're doing it for your own ego, uh, for the, you know, the big car and the big title and the big office and everything else and the, getting the number one car parking space at the front of the building. So, and when something like that happens, that is kind of, you know, major, you know, disaster in your life that does bring you up shore and say, okay, well, is this really what I want to do? And and that was kind of the turning point for me because I realized, you know, I didn't really want to stay in corporate life, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I took the part of the job that I loved, which was, you know, hiring, coaching, and developing people, and then getting teams together. I was fascinated by getting teams working effectively together. And so 16 years ago I left and I started my own company. Uh, doing that, and and I've been doing that ever since. And thankfully, I've been able to expand it and built it into you know working in it in a global basis in different countries with some major companies. And uh, and it's it's been fun. So that's a quick run through of my career.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's it's a very hard job to kind of build the right team. Also, um, if you want to relate it to sports, you can have a team of all all stars, but they don't mesh. Same thing. You know, you can have these top executives, but they don't necessarily complement themselves and oftentimes kind of hinder their own way or her own path. And I think even building individuals, building up teams, me being in previous director roles, building up teams and training up teams. And it's very kind of rewarding seeing people grow and even transition out of those companies, but seeing you you added that value to them to become greater and move on to something else
0: yeah cuz i think that one of the exciting things about you know getting a team to work effectively together is you just got to get the mix right and you know and there's no science to it in the sense of you know you've got to look for well how do you get the complementary skills but the other thing that is the the what the real hard one to, to really get a sense of, particularly at the interview stage, because everybody at the interview stage is on their best behavior, is, you know, will they actually fit in? Will they fit in with the culture? Because you, you can have the best skills in the world, but if they don't fit in with the culture, you're not going to have a high-performing team. So you've got to get the, the structure right, you've got to get the mix right, but you've got to get the culture right as well. And if you don't get that culture bit, you will actually, it's a bit like pushing water uphill. You will get a certain amount, but you'll never, ever optimize the potential of that team. And And, you know, more teams get damaged by poor culture and poor behavior than lack of skills or lack of knowledge.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that kind of culture component, you're bringing your soft skill to that. So the level your soft skills are at, the level of your uh, emotional empathy and emotional IQ, because if you hire a passionate person and they want to learn something, anything in terms of you know knowledge can be learned as long as that person is passionate. So having somebody that already has that knowledge, but doesn't have kind of the common sense to work in a specific team or a specific company, obviously isn't a good match to start off with.
0: Yeah, it's and, and that is, a, yeah, you're right. I mean, you always feel, well, if, they, if, if it's a knowledge or a skill thing, that's kind of easily, you know, fixed. But if it's an attitude or behavioral thing, then it actually becomes uh, a lot more damaging. And I think that also, you know, if you're looking at teams, and I, I find it interesting, you know, with the work that I do in organizations is that what people are looking for is really true leadership, in the in in the truest sense of the word and that it's value-based leadership that what people say and what they do there's an absolute consistency between the two because what we're seeing globally is you know that, that you know we are kind of crying out for for really strong leaders you know in the political sense in the religious sense in the community sense all of those things and I know that's a generalization that there's poor leadership everywhere because there are pockets where there are some good ones but generally speaking people are really disengaging with a lot of a lot of things like that because they're not seeing that leadership. And if you do see people inconsistency between what they say and what they do and that what they say they value, but actually how they behave is some something different. That's really where you know it comes unstuck. And and I think in organizations, it's the organizations that are really focusing on building that value-based leadership and know what they're looking for in terms of values. Um, and the values that people have and making sure then that they've got the right blend of fit you know in the organization but that everybody ad- adheres and and buys into the values of the organization they're the organizations that are strong they're the organizations that are going to come out of the current situation in a much stronger way and I think that you know there's no doubt that the recent events with the COVID and everything is, is nobody knows what it's going to look like right all we know is that it's not going to be like it was before and and i see that coming out uh, in in the coaching work that i'm doing is that people are beginning to question people are beginning to reflect upon what they're doing and people are beginning to kind of say well you know is this it and and they're also beginning to recognize that some things that they took for granted they're now saying they're actually the really important things and and perhaps other things they thought were really important are perhaps not so important so we're getting that kind of reflection in there that people are beginning to kind of really question themselves are they you know are they just focused in the same way if I go back to my own experience was that I was totally focused on my career at the expense of everything else in my life and I was fortunate to learn the lesson without you know having done too much damage in terms because I was lucky that I was able to have a relationship with my three daughters and but people are really beginning to kind of question am I growing and am I actually going to leave a legacy behind? Does this actually matter?
1: Yeah, and you actually touched upon when I was just going to jump into that whole legacy component. So I agree with you. A lot of people in kind of corporate roles, oftentimes when they're younger, I think in my 20s, I was kind of chasing the titles as fast as possible, as much compensation, you know, being kind of, uh, I guess, mesmerized by the shiny things. And then there was a mind shift, I believe and I turned 30 to, you know, what now? What, what more is there? And kind of changing to a leaving legacy and adding as much value, like you mentioned.
0: Yeah, and and I think that, you know, that's why I kind of see all, I think all businesses are kind of figuring out what's the pivot that they're, they're making. And, you know, and, and for, for my own, because I, I've seen this kind of shift coming for the last while and I've seen it just accelerating in recent times, you know, that I, I'm about to create a mastermind uh, program for you know like-minded people who are really looking to kind of build a life for themselves and not just make a living, and really make sure that they're developing the, the the totality of their lives and and creating that framework where they can be with other like-minded people who are going to hold them accountable and who are going to hold them accountable to growing in all aspects of their lives. And I think that's you know I, I think it's a great thing that's coming out of the recent events and all the tragedy that that has been around. But I think that the organizations who are addressing the gaps in their business model, and let's be honest, in all our businesses, there are gaps, right? And I think that the the companies who are spending the time right now addressing those gaps will come out of this much stronger and much more powerful.
1: Yeah, I agree. I feel like you see some people or some companies really doing a good job to add value and be there for their kind of communities and their customers, while others Still are trying to kind of figure it out and obviously this is a, a traumatic time but just because it's a traumatic time doesn't mean you can take something out of it or redefine yourself or pivot I got into digital marketing out of the 2008 recession and basically have been in it ever since started a company in 2012 and that was a pivot point for me I mean I graduated with a degree in criminal justice uh, interned with the Secret Service before graduating. Then the recession hit, so nobody was hiring. Couldn't find a job. The opportunity came about, and I think that's what you do with that actual opportunity when it arises.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that. I mean, you're a great example of that. And and I think you know, if we, if we go back to that 2007, 2008, yes, there was a lot of damage done to a lot of people, and you know, and 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 the banks were no great pa- friends to anybody. But but also you know, there were some great success stories and you will always, in all of those situations, you will see, you know, it is the kind of the phoenix rising from the ashes and you will always see that. But I think that an awful lot, it's not accidental and it's, it is those that actually really reflect upon how they are going to do things differently and and there's no template for it. You've got to create your own template for it. But I think, I, you know, it's, it's obviously a very worrying time at all sorts of different levels. But I do think it also brings huge opportunity for many people because I think that, you know, we were, we don't know what it'll be, but we know it won't be the same.
1: Yep. Um, I've been, I guess, remote for about four years now in terms of kind of my, my business structure and, you know, working. So the only caveat is obviously being stuck here with uh, four kids and not kind of leaving my house. But I feel a lot of companies... Fortune 100s, 500s were very hesitant about kind of remote work, work from home, and seeing with this whole situation, they had to really pivot. And some people were very standoffish to different aspects of digital transformation, and now they're it's being forced on them. So things you kind of put off will eventually, you know, arise either through something like this or through a natural progression.
0: I mean, I even think even even at a very kind of small way. You know, there are people who are using, I mean, the, the Zoom call we're on. There are people using Zoom that never used it before. There are people using, you know, similar tools that have never used it before. And, you know, and what they're saying, you know what, this works. And I, th- I do think some of the large organizations, you know, are going to challenge themselves as to, you know, why do we have a huge, big office block, you know, on Fifth Avenue or the Champs-Élysées or Regent Street in London or the most expensive places and we have massive presence why are we doing that? So I think that they will start... I mean, okay, they're not going to divest of them immediately by any means, and maybe they won't do it at all. But I think they're really going to be looking at a different model because I think in many organizations, yes, you know, working from home was kind of part of it, but it was just occasionally working from home, but not working for any significant amount of time. But what they've seen is that you know, it can work.
1: Yep. <laughs> and, and that's, I guess, be defined for every business. One of my friends actually works for a kind of a Madison Ave, uh, you know, marketing agency. And basically they moved over to this because they were forced with it, but he's kind of complaining that there's no on and off switch. So the person he reports to has no kind of uh, disconnection between the workday and the fact that now they have to do something else at home. So he's being emailed, called at like 10, 11, 12 at night now about certain things and figuring out where that, disconnect for you know personal and professional boundaries are
0: yeah and i i think that you know organizations and i know from talking to some of them they're actually realizing that they need to create those boundaries because that that you know i mean that is it's unprofessional for starters but it's also you you can't sustain that you you will just burn people out the quality of the work would be poor so you know it's it's kind of and for some people it's it's i think it's also it's a sign in some people of that You know, I'm wondering, are people on my team actually working? So it's a lack of trust. So, you know, if they respond to the email and maybe they're more accustomed that they can look out the door of their office and see them sitting outside on the floor so they can, whether they're on social media or whatever, but they look as if they're working. But now they don't have that. And I think in many cases, it's a sign of, of lack of trust that people will actually do the work. And I think that's wrong. But I think that is something that would change if we were to become more uh, a bigger part of, the, of the, the working day.
1: Yeah, I agree. So what motivates you to succeed?
0: Um, I, I I, mean, I'd love to say that I was always kind of terribly altruistic and everything like that, but that wouldn't be the truth. I I was uh, certainly in the earlier part of my career. Um, as I said, I was kind of motivated by the role, the success, the title, the money, the position, the, the, the profile and, and all of that. And, you know, I think that kind of drove me on. But I think after that, it's been much more about the the work that I do, that the work that actually is fulfilling, that I'm really enjoying the work. And and one of the things that I I just love, I love being in the coaching process because the coaching process, it's, it's a very unique role to have to work with your clients, to be the catalyst for change. I mean, I can't change anybody. They've got to change themselves. But to somehow play a part in being the catalyst to see people grow and develop, and and to live fulfilling lives, and I mean, okay, the entry point can be from a business perspective, but then you kind of broaden it out becomes much more about the the whole person. And really, I see the people looking an awful lot more for accountability. I think to go back to the point you mentioned earlier on is kind of what's the legacy I'm going to leave behind? You know, d- does my life have some significance? And will there be something that people remember that where i made a contribution to their lives so i would say undoubtedly in the earlier part of my career it was all about the glitz the, the 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 optics and everything like that that certainly pivoted for me and and to me now it's about creating environments in which people can can grow and develop and that's the satisfaction for me i mean and you know, yes, I'm in business and I'm in business to make money because if I don't make money, I don't have a business and I can't actually, you know, have have that influence. But yes, I want to have a profitable business. And yes, I like going on nice holidays. I like going to nice restaurants. You know, would I do it for nothing? No, I wouldn't do it for nothing because people wouldn't value it if you do it for nothing. And also, I want to have a successful business so that in that way, I'm in a, in a better position to make a contribution.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think it's it's important to be in like a career where you directly impact somebody to make a change, or if you have something that's, you know, delivering actual value in terms of changing a, a business structure, adding value in terms of saving jobs, creating jobs. And some of those things people don't necessarily think about because oftentimes people think about, you know, they're not a doctor or a nurse or not. Directly kind of saving a life, but you are through some of the things that you can be doing, impacting others and adding
0: value. I think I think it's also, I mean, I think it's a point it's really important to make is that you can make a difference to somebody's day by just saying thank you. Right? It doesn't have to be the big gesture. It doesn't have to be the major thing. And and if you look at the whole relationship that that you have in a, in a coaching environment it's not kind of a dramatic change it's actually about small incremental changes that over a period of time make a real difference and a lasting difference and that's what you know the joy is that you know you 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 help and support people to make that shift and then that shift impacts their business impacts their home impacts their relationships with with their, their their partners impacts their relationship with their children so now you're actually getting a much more fulfilled person and 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 that's you know to be part of that and to be witnessing that every day is you know is is a real blessing
1: yeah i agree so what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today
0: I would have one of the things that I would definitely say as being a major uh, weakness is that I would react to things. I would just and and I, I would kind of run out with it, run at it, and and what I've learned to do is you can still react in, in an appropriate way, but for some major decisions to actually step back and to kind of evaluate, and the re- and the way I do that is. For, to be really clear about what my vision and what my mission and what my purpose is, you know, in for, for my life. And and that actually stops me kind of reacting to do something just in, in the spur of the moment, because it makes me reflect, well, this, will doing this actually help me to get closer to fulfilling that? So it's kind of a filter to stop me kind of doing the shiny new toy, because I would be, you know, something, a new idea. Oh, yeah, I love that. And I'm off, Right and I'm often a tangent. And I've done that I've done that number like, number, number of times in my life. And when I've done it without real reflection, sometimes it's worked out really good, but that's more by luck than by design. And sometimes it's been a really bad decision. So, for me now, it's actually having the context of the vision and mission and purpose in my life. And to actually say, well, does this, you know, what I'm looking at, if I make this, is that going to take me closer or is that going to take me away? And just doing that stops me just reacting and responding and going after that, you know, the silver paper that's fluttering in the wind. But yeah, it, it you know, I had to, a few, a few knocks and a few really bad mistakes that kind of, you know, eventually, you know, it beat it into my head. You got to stop doing that. And, and I found that is the most helpful way for me to actually stop myself from doing that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's kind of important to understand and, and kind of define what your core values are and then kind of ask your question, do they align with it? I actually had Maybe 10 episodes ago, uh, well, a few months ago, a uh, disaster avoidance specialist. So he's a doctor in kind of human behavior and he works with, you know, fortune company executives to basically figure out how they can make better business decisions and not react kind of being driven by emotion and evaluate certain situations and not, there's, I guess he says, there's emotional biases. There's a list of these different things that can negatively impact a decision and kind of trigger you know, a spiral of events that are unforeseen that can lead a business to kind of turmoil. So I found that kind of really interesting in kind of the decision-making process.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting to talk about that because I, I was talking to somebody recently and they were talking about unconscious biases, right? And, you know, and when you think about it, you kind of, oh yeah, okay. And you kind of say, yeah, okay, I, I kind of get that. But that they, they actually dug into it and they started talking about examples. And you realize, gosh i do have quite a few unconscious biases and because you think about it in the big thing but we all have them at some level and it's it's really creating filters to catch ourselves actually and, and recognize that you know is it about the vision the values of that or is it am i responding because of an unconscious bias that i have so yeah i think that there are things but i think yeah perhaps maturity probably helped a lot as well uh, or just maybe just getting older and <laughs> they don't necessarily come together. But, um, but I think that that has certainly helped me to uh, not chase after the, the shiny new toy.
1: Yeah. And like you said, I think it's the uh, experiences of life. You develop emotional empathy and a better emotional IQ to kind of handle situations in different lights than you would maybe 20, you know, 30 years ago. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional?
0: I think the the one piece of advice that I would give, and I, I I I say it to kind of anybody who asks me a question like that, is to, you know, keep learning. Always keep learning. Always keep you know searching for something new. Always keep reading. Keep studying. Keep listening to to things that are going to challenge your your thought process. Challenge your beliefs challenge how you think and how you behave I, I think that what i'd say to 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 everybody is to always keep learning i i think it's so important to uh always be stretching yourself in terms of what the what you're reading reading different types of material reading stuff that you know you think might challenge you learning new skills learning you know new getting gaining new knowledge and doing that because i think that the more you do that it just it exercises your mind and it keeps your mind open to possibilities and 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 i and i certainly down through the years i mean i've been fortunate in the sense i've 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 always embraced reading and and kind of and and looking up stuff and being curious about stuff and and that has really helped me throughout my career and i think that the more you do that the more you realize Things that, you know, gosh, there's a different way of looking at it. That's a different perspective. And I think that it helps also to, to really expand your knowledge and to see things from different perspectives. So I would always say just keep learning.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I kind of often say that like complacency is the death of uh, innovation. So basically you get to a point and you become stagnant you don't redefine yourself either if you're a company i mean example many of the fortune 500 companies 50 years ago don't exist they didn't adapt they didn't you know redefine or innovate and you know adapt to the times or do something new or figure it out so i feel like you said constantly learning and redefining yourself and in that sense not only knowledge but trying to become a better person regardless of where you are in life i think it's it's very important
0: i, I think also you 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 know everything matters and everything is either, everything you do, everything you do is either adding value or it's taking it away. There's no such sort of thing as neutral, right? So I think you've got to be really conscious. Is everything you're doing, is this adding value or is this taking away? And, and to really kind of live by that.
1: Yeah, I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you or anything else you have going on?
0: Absolutely. Well, if they want to reach out to me, my email address is uh, john at johnmurphyinternational.com. They can get me there and or if they want to go to my website and they can connect with me through there and they can find me on social media. But the website is www.johnmurphyinternational.com. Uh, but I said the email address is john at johnmurphyinternational, And I'd love to hear from any of your listeners.
1: Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Roman. it's been a real pleasure.
0: Thank you.